0: Hello and welcome to the Innovation Engine podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Ives. Today, I'm joined by friend and colleague, Kim Mirazimi, Three Pillars Senior Vice President of Commercial Services Portfolio. And we're thrilled to welcome as our guest today, Yoon Freund, Senior Vice President of Platform and Product at Equinix. Yoon's career has been spent bridging the gap between corporate physical infrastructure and its digital future. And As a seasoned industry executive, she's ushered in the cloud renovation of her engineering, communications, and data services employers, and is currently advising Google on hybrid multi-cloud industry trends and platform strategy. Yoon, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm just going to jump right in with the first question. Are there any methods of inspiring creativity in team members that you carried over from your time as a professor of computer science and engineering at San Jose State University?
1: Yes, I, I found that teaching is really a form of art. You have to find a really creative way to draw an analogy or share a personal story to make an abstract con- a concept more concrete so the students can comprehend, especially when you're explaining a very boring concept like computer science, a programming concept, but and that's something that I, I've learned through the years of the teaching at San Jose State University.
0: Yeah. So those stories, those analogies, when you were, um, you know, during, during your time as a professor, would you use numerous during those conversations or would you kind of outline or use and leverage one story and one analogy to kind of flow the, you know, have that flow throughout the entire hour, or maybe it was a three hour class, but would you kind of center your conversations around one or were you, did you find that you would sprinkle in various stories throughout the, the, the hour or the, the two hour lecture?
1: Yeah, I think I I'll sprinkle different stories. Some of them are easy to comprehend; it it happens in our daily life, and some of them will be my personal story. How do you really draw analogy? So I'll sprinkle those in. Make the classes very interactive. That's the key to really make the students interesting and learn learn the subject. Great,
2: great. Yes,
0: think okay, professors are always the ones that would that would sprinkle in the stories. So I'm sure you are a favorite. Absolutely, Kim.
2: Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, especially for, you say it can get boring, but I say it probably is very complicated in someone's brain, right, to to piece all those things together. So the stories always clearly help. Yeah. The now you, actually There's a two
1: doctor point. There's a younger doctor fine which is me, and then my father-in-law also teaches there. So, of course, I'm always my favorite younger
2: doctor fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those must be interesting family conversations when you get together on a Sunday night or a Thanksgiving between the, the two professors. <laughs>
2: yes. Exactly. Exactly. Now, you you've been at Equinix for most of the, you know, some of the most prominent acquisitions in the company's history. And that we understand is West Africa, New Zealand, South Korea. Do you have any opinions on countries for whom? You see, digital adoption is difficult for, and, and and on the opposite kind of spectrum, those that are more ripe for innovation.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think all these acquisitions are all very strategic, and important to Equinix. So I particularly like the in you know, West Africa main one because the growth of the data consumption in Africa is one the fastest in the world. And a lot of our customers and partners are really looking for a trusted partner to pursue the opportunity there, presented by mobile usage, greater internet connectivity across the region. And it's also my personal favorite because I love the story of main one, CEO Funko Peak, and I don't know if I pronounced it correctly, but Funk grew up in Nigeria and she went to school in Nigeria and came to US and becoming an executive at Verizon in the US. Now, when she noticed, that when she went back to Nigeria, noticed how poor the internet connectivities are, she started that she went back to Nigeria, started a technology company called Main Street, which is the foundation of today's main one. Main One was launched to provide really overseas. Undersea high capacity cable really start strengthening the internet connectivity there. So, this acquisition will become the largest acquisition of a tech company in Nigeria and first landmark deal made by African women's tech CEO. So, I'm very, very proud.
2: Absolutely. I'm just an amazing story um, as I listen to you tell it. Um, just to, to notice and understand and instantiate
0: change and, and seemingly, you know, rather quickly. Absolutely. You know, Yun, we've talked a little bit about digital acceleration, digital transformation, and the work that Kim and I do, and and what the world is is going through, going through in terms of companies looking to digitally transform, digitally accelerate. Gartner, McKinsey, and others have shared in in numerous varied research efforts that the vast majority of CEOs believe in the need for digital transformation there's no there's no doubt there you know the digital transformation digital acceleration yet there's a low number of those CEOs, you know, there are low numbers of CEOs who know the exact steps to take or the roadmap to craft in order to digitally accelerate. What do you believe are the factors behind why CEOs are are so challenged by digital transformation? Or at this point, again, I, I really talk in terms of digital acceleration at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a very good question. So I think that in the um, in the last two years of pandemic, digital acceleration, really the pandemic forced many CEO to go into adopting a digital strategy. The reason I think it's so challenging is because digital transformation is very complex and not easy path, Uh, the reason being, is that it's not just about technology transformation. It's also you know, about how you change the existing business process and business model and changing people and culture to adapt to those new business model. And that is very difficult because CEO, they, they need to be the steward for the entire company to be able to articulate why the company needs to change and communicate. A forward-looking strategy, both inside and outside in Wall Street, and foster the culture that sometimes failure is okay. That path, and that journey, sometimes you you have a bumps and ups and downs. So that's George's and resiliency is very important for this journey. For example, I've studied quite a bit in the past 10 years about digital transformation acceleration. Company like Adobe and Microsoft really have set up a good example. And, uh, you know, for example, Adobe, am I... Mother-in-law used to use Adobe Photoshop, right? But it's now the new experience, you just get on the cloud and using Adobe Experience Cloud and since all kinds of AI machine learning benefit, but that, that journey going to move into the cloud and transform digitally is also went through many, many uh, ups and downs. And so that's a really good example. It's often been talked about within the Valley for the digital transformation
2: example. Switching it up a little bit, um, related related in many, many ways. We've witnessed a myriad of cybersecurity breaches this past year. And as we all are aware, they continue to rise um, and morph. Um, are, are you concerned about the susceptibility of cloud computing, given that and the the direction that things continue to move in there? Yeah, Um no, I think I'm not concerned, but I'm
1: very vigilant and, yeah, about continue using the technology, adopt speed how we react and proactively strengthen the security. So in the, in the digital um, strategy side, a lot of um, CISOs uh, you know, uh, uh, and security experts talk about zero trust. Cloud security architecture mm-hmm. and the zero trust means that no one and no not person, device, or network and it will have inherent trust. Everybody is uh, you know susceptible. So therefore, anybody who comes into our parameter wants to use our product, leveraging our data, all that they need to first pass our that, earn that first step. To validate that identity, whether it's using the multi factor authentication or different ways to authenticate them and making sure they have access to the data. And this is very much in contrast in the past, you know, you, with all the on-premise security model, where it assumes that the bad actor is always the outside of the network, and you know, the good actor is inside. So we are the cloud, you know, in the, in the cloud world, everybody now is adopting the zero trust, Everybody needs to be authenticated. Everybody needs to be validated before they access anything. So this is a very critical, not only in terms of a usage of the product, but also even including a third party supply chain. All these are, you know, we need to start leveraging this kind of a first cloud first principle. So that will really help you to strengthen the cybersecurity um, in, in the cloud computing era.
2: Yeah, I love that you said uh, what you said, and I love that you brought in supply chain, right? No preferential treatment for anyone. And we are actually seeing that as well. Uh, Really, really elevate now is the focus on what is potentially a very weak leak of a supply chain that I don't think people had really... Really looked at in that level of depth and detail before, certainly in the forefront now. Um, I think it it's definitely a trend um, that we're happy to see people are being and leveraging that vigilance and diligence around that as well.
0: Absolutely yeah. and and so keeping keeping on the the topic of cloud, do you have any predictions about corporate adoption of of private public cloud services in let's say the next five years? Yes, absolutely. Yeah,
1: I think we predict all companies going moving forward they will adopt actually what we call the hybrid multi cloud. I think in the next five years, I, I'm also sitting on a Google Cloud, um, you know, advisory board, so I advise them what's our hybrid multi cloud trend and what are the Fortune 500 by you know, uh, bigger IT companies trend to how they are leveraging some of the cloud technologies. Really looking at, you know, um, some of this, uh, looking at the two years of pandemic, right? everybody start accelerating, like you mentioned, Jennifer, about digital trend, uh, digital acceleration. So the first thought of digital transformation, oh, maybe we just move to the cloud, public cloud, whether it's a Google, Amazon, or uh, Microsoft. Uh, you need the, the one, there is one advantage of doing that because it really help you modernize your digital infrastructure quickly. You can use API, you can use Terraform, to quickly bring up your infrastructure, bring down your infrastructure, instead of your own IT uh, department, within your own campus, building up that physical rack and stack, physical infrastructure. However, you know, uh, um, assist in the neutrality, really we are neutral to all, whether a cloud service provider or private data center. We also see a big trend that, customer really want to leverage private cloud to run a critical application within certain region because of uh, data security, GDPR, privacy issue, or they want to run some of the application within closer to that user, so that they can have the great latencies and performance. So we see that trend is also. So that's why it's a combination of both public cloud and private cloud in conjunction to really deliver the best experience and the most secure application to the end user.
0: Fascinating. We're starting to see a, a, a bit of, of that as well. So fascinating, especially from that that leveraging of the pro, of the private cloud to run the critical applications and other pieces of the infrastructure. Thank you.
1: Yes, yeah, so especially in EMEA, in um Europe, this trend is very very strict you know, regional data compliance and, and every company needs to meet. So that becomes a more critical for. Uh, for each company, think about that data strategy, when it should be running network load in in which, which region.
0: Excellent. We are to um, the speed round portion of our episode. And some these are some of my favorite questions. We ask all the same questions of all of our guests for the last many years that we've hosted the podcast. So I'm going to start with the first speed round question, Yun. What is your favorite piece of technology? Peloton. Tell me a little bit more about that. I also have a Peloton. I love it. What it? How do you love to use it? And and uh, how, how does the technology kind of enhance your life? Or or how did the technology make you say Peloton so quickly? Yeah, but I, I think
1: that the reason is that I've been going to the gym and exercise fitness center for the last 25 years. So about pandemic, when pandemic came, I just couldn't go. So therefore my health and, and fitness really went down to heal. So, and then I discovered the Peloton and I, I, they created such a great community. Every morning I'm looking forward to get on the Peloton, do a little bit of cycling, do some weight training. They have such a great community and a different variety of program. So that's one thing I told my husband that I'm looking forward to every morning. And um, you know before I got on the, get on a 12 hour zoom in front of the computer,
0: you jump on your peloton, or do you also use the app for other you mentioned the weight training. Have you ever used it for running or even walking? They, they have such they have such great options yeah. uh, via their app?
1: Yes, yeah, so I whenever I travel, I don't have my shoes with me. I always just do the treadmill run. and then the other thing I use is the meditation you know, before I go to bed, I always listen 10 or 15 minutes meditation really quickly put me to sleep. I, I love it. Yeah,
0: excellent.
2: I love that. I'll take that one. I could use meditation to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, all right, Yoon, over to me. Uh, what was, I'm curious about, what was your first interaction with technology or what was your first memory around tech? Yeah, my first
1: memory is really, I, um, in 1985, I went to Beijing University, which is one of the best universities in China. So it was the first time I witnessed the mainframe computer. Back then, I had to get a little ticket to get a two-hour slot to get into the mainframe computer and then write my very first calendar program. So that was like, it was such an awesome experience it's still today imprinted in my mind.
2: I love it and and it's funny I, I worked for one of my old companies was was a big mainframe company and 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 the the motto was the mainframe is is never gonna die because it is so consistent and it's such a workhorse um, I, that would could be a whole nother conversation, but I, I love that story. um thank you for sharing it yes Jennifer, staying
0: absolutely staying on the the topic of technology, what's your most used app on your smartphone or your smart device? yeah Other than Mail, Slack, news, maybe a news feed that you read, uh, you know, that you tap into often?
1: Well, I, you know, just, I I think I used to subscribe to TikTok for like three months. I felt like uh, quickly, I felt like I I got too addicted to it. So I deleted. So now I I think in the past two or three years, New York Times subscription is my favorite. So every time when I get up in the morning and night, I always read news. It was just such a, Ralph of uh, information, I that's now my favorite apps.
0: It's one of my favorite as well. So I, we're, we're, we're two for two, Peloton and the New York Times. <laughs> Yay! <laughs>
2: Love it. And so I'm going to ask the last question. This is my favorite one. And I'm so excited that I, I always get to ask this question um, because it's such a poignant response from, from so many of our, of our guests. You know, when you're talking with other leaders and we talked a lot about students and you're being a professor, what is the one piece of advice that you, you leverage and have leveraged throughout your career that might be helpful to someone else, whether that's a leader or whether that's one of your students? What, do you, what advice do you give to them?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I think the most important character and it is to develop for everyone is is resiliency. People don't realize. I used to say, you know, in the early part of my career, I was his confidence, but that's sometimes it takes time to build up that confidence. The reason I'm seeing resiliency is I see sometimes in, in the early stage career women, or my, even my daughter, 18 year old daughter. And on her path to university, or on this young woman's path to career advancement, they often encounter obstacles. And many of them may decide to give up when they fail, so they either quit their computer or STEM career or change it to a different major. But I think the one one thing I learned, even my path forward, I, I basically came to US 30 years ago with $80 in my pocket, speak, no English now. Today I'm leading, you know, a, you know, a large organization, building a technology for a great Fortune 500 company. So how well, that path is not easy, and and the, what it takes is that resiliency, perseverance. Don't give up when you fail. Doesn't mean next time you try you will fail. So get up and try it again. So that's, you, you succeed eventually. That's the advice I am actually sharing with my kids as well, because I felt like the world is not easy sometimes. It's complex, you encounter a lot of obstacles, but the way to get ahead is, is that resiliency, continue to push you forward, and you know, don't be discouraged by the short-term setback. That's older and wiser advice now
2: <laughs> I have. <laughs> Well said. I think we can all always use advice of that kind and and couldn't agree with you more. Thank you.
0: Yoon, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such an honor. We've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a long while, and we're just, we're so pleased that you were able to join us and, and share insights, not only some personal insights, as you just mentioned, but also the professional guidance and professional insights, very helpful to our community of listeners. Thank you.
2: Thank you
1: so much, Jennifer, Kim, and it's such a pleasure. I really enjoyed this
2: opportunity to share the stories. Thank you very much. We did as well.
0: This has been an episode of the Innovation Engine, a podcast from 3Pillar Global. If you have questions, comments, or guest suggestions, email us at info at threepillarglobal.com. pillarglobalcom